Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. We just had one two days ago talking about Joseph Martinez, and on Thursday, a day after that news, I got to sit down with new club president Garth Lagerway for about an hour at the team's training facility in Marietta. We discussed a whole lot of things, including Martinez, including Lagerway's goals for beefing up the scouting and analytics departments his conversations with his team supporters, what he hopes to see from the team at the end of this upcoming season, the end of its third season, and the end of its fifth season. And I asked him, which is going to be more important to Atlanta United, the Apple TV deal or the city getting to host or being one of the hosts of the 2026 World Cup? I think his answers were pretty interesting, very insightful, and I hope it gives you a better idea of how this franchise is going to be shaped going forward. It's no longer a new franchise. It's no longer a grassroots type of camaraderie. It's now an established franchise that is going through some growing pains. As Loggerway calls it a few times, it's a reset. Supporters may not want to hear it, but the team has missed the playoffs two of the past three years and hasn't won a playoff game since 2019. So changes are in order, and Loggerway is hoping to make them and set the franchise up to be a consistent winner rather than what it has become. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. As you may or may not know, the fan base is a little bit disappointed about the Joseph news yesterday. How would you assuage them going forward that y'all, the franchise is, is headed in a positive direction? Look, I do think we're in a little bit of a, first of all, thanks for sitting with me, Doug. I appreciate it. And, and, you know, really looking forward to working together. And, and uh, uh, thanks for coming all the way out to the training ground to, to speak with me. Um, uh, look, as I get to know the fan base and they get to know me, um, I think they'll see that I'm a pretty patient, methodical planner. And, you know, there's just a little bit of a reset moment for the franchise. Um, you know, uh, we've had to move some guys out here in, in the first phase and, um, you know, but I think we're going to put ourselves on a better foundation going forward. Um, but anytime you reset, I think that's not going to be without pain. Um, and, you know, losing an iconic player like Joseph um, is, is going to be tough for any franchise. 
Um, but that said, when you talk about a player who was here for six years and won the league MVP and won MLS Cup MVP and won a title and uh, you know won Campione's Cup and uh, won the Open Cup and scored a hundred goals faster than anybody else ever had, that's a heck of a legacy. I mean, that that is uh, you know, it, is it sad because it's over? Yeah, but you know, you're sad because of all the high all the high points, all the happiness, all the great moments that that. Uh, that we shared at Atlanta United shared with our fans and with Joseph Martinez and credit to him. And, and, uh, you know, but I, I think, I think we're all kind of missing the forest for the trees. If we don't see the Joseph Martinez era here as a really positive, really happy one, even if, you know, the ending isn't, you know, the, the ending's almost always tricky. It's pro sports, you know, um, you know, we were talking uh, before uh, and, and, uh, you know, you kind of gave me the Atlanta sports history of all the, famous athletes that, that uh, didn't finish with the Braves or the Falcons or the Hawks. And, um, you know, I think soccer is no different than, than some of those. I know this is a long, long way down the road, but one of the things the fans were aggravated about is they didn't really get a chance to give him a proper send-off last season. Miami comes here pretty late in the year, but is there any discussions about anything for Joseph then? For sure. Yeah. No, look, I mean, we want to do this the right way. We want to actually respect. Like I have some experience here, you know, uh, not so long after I started in Seattle, you know, we had some small players like Brad Evans and Ozzy Alonso of all people and Chad Marshall. And, you know, uh, at each turn, the fan base understandably was really upset that those guys were, were moving on or finishing their careers. And, you know, we were able to treat them all. I think with, I think all those guys now would say we treated them with respect and that's certainly what we want to do with Joseph. And we want the fans to be part of that send off and um you know certainly uh, there are things that we can do when when miami's here and um you know look one of the reasons uh, you know i think that was discussed was miami was a good destination for joseph from a family perspective mm-hmm. um and so it was important to us that we we did right by by him um but obviously we have some good connections in miami as well chris henderson and i worked together for eight years and um i have no doubt that we'll have a partner in them in terms of doing everything the right way and and uh you know really trying to work together on something that's suitable and fitting the other thing that would probably in my opinion help the fans get over this is if there's some more signings particularly, <laughs> particularly scorers yeah coming in <laughs> Pineda had mentioned on tuesday that y'all were hoping to get three players across the line sooner yep. rather than later is that still on path you know, look, that is the aspiration. As, as the guy who spent a lot of time in the front office, I would, I would say ask the general manager about player <laughs> signs before you ask the head coach. But but no, I think one of the strengths here is that Carlos and Gonzo are, are, are aligned, and that's really important. And, I you know, I do think we are – look, I don't think – I know we are looking at three positions um, in terms of upgrades for the team. And as I said, we had to kind of – take some steps back to reset the thing to now move forward. But now we're hopefully getting close to that point where we can begin to move forward. And, you know, we may still have uh, one more subtraction before we get anywhere else. But again, that was, this is all necessary stuff to, again, hopefully level set and then begin building this thing. And and all I would say is, is I don't mean to be coy about the signings, um, but, you know, again, for those who have followed my career, we will take deals when they are the right value, when they are the right time, because the thing that gets you uh, in the salary cap system is making mistakes. And if you can build methodically and you can build patiently, um, you know, it is more important to get the signings right and to get them for the right value 
critically important for the right value um, than it is to have the guy here on opening day. And again, as I told you, the opening press conference, I guarantee that's going to frustrate some people. Right. It has everywhere else I've been. Um, but it's also, for better or worse, it's also worked pretty well for me. So the signings that uh, might be coming in, you know, people attach a DP tag as being uh, a hopefully impactful player. Are any of these DP level players? Look, I think that we're going to be looking at players, uh, particularly at that forward position, who have the potential to become DPs. Okay. Um, you know, I think if you're looking, I think the way Carlos said it yesterday was, if you're looking uh, for a 2017 Joseph Martinez level replacement, I don't think that's you know waiting on the shelf for us to just pluck down and and, and plug and play, so to speak. Um, you know, one of the things that we still are clearing out are some salary cap issues, um, and it's possible that in the short term we may even apply the DP tag to a player who's out on loan. Um, and the benefit of that would be to clear up their full uh, cap hit, uh, which would allow us then um, to potentially have, again, a better team. Uh, but, you know, there's kind of two things at play. One is, you know, can you sign a player on loan into as a forward that can potentially grow into that role and, and, and maybe become a DP down the road? Um, or do you look at it and you say, not that's not or, but and, um, if you look at the investment that we've made between Omada and Arujo and Etienne, um, those are three really good players in that band of three. I mean, arguably, I think probably the biggest spend in the league in terms of um, the outlay there. So if you look at that holistically and you say, okay, um, you know, when you're signing this nine, it, it could be that a complimentary nine, a player that is um, maybe less of a goal scorer and more of a combiner, um, might in fact make that group of four more effective. Um, and I shouldn't say more, but effective in a different way yeah. um, where the collective kind of becomes more than the sum of its parts. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're looking at as well. So the long way of saying, I don't think you're going to see a like for like Joseph in, new, sorry, Joseph out, new Joseph in. Again, I, I just don't think you can replace an iconic player like that. Um, uh, but again, we'll, and we'll take our time and there may be more options in the summer, as I've said, you know, rather than right now. Um, but certainly we're going to, we're going to have, as Carlos said yesterday, we're going to have a forward on the team and <laughs> probably a couple of them. And uh, we'll, we'll be working on that for sure. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, etc. Get all of our stories on AJC.com 
access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So, and one of the things you talked about at your introductory press conference was culture. How would you define the culture that you've come into and how do you want to change or improve that culture? Sure. Um, What I would say is, you know, I, the, the kind of my cultural training was at the law firm and I'm sure people are going to roll their eyes at that and be like, you know, really fortune 500 law firm. No one, no one really, you know, highlights them as, as bastions of, uh, of, uh, workplace happiness. But what I mean is, uh, you know, when I worked there, um, you know, we were trained, we were taught that, you know, you might be on a billion dollar case. And as the junior associate, you might be responsible for 1% of that case. Um, but it was yours to own. And, and if you did well, you'd get more work to do. And because uh, Lord Canada Law Firm is a pie eating contest where the prize is eating more pie. <laughs> um, so, uh, but you would, you would do the work. And, and the point was that you were, you were valued, and, and, but you were expected to contribute on whatever your portion was. And so it creates a really collaborative culture. Um, and it had a really flat uh, management structure. Um, and so, as I was in the processes of, of interviewing for the RSL job way back, this is in 2007, I guess now, um, the managing partner of the firm of Latham uh, called me in and, and my hours were down a little bit because I've been flying out to Salt Lake City to interview and up to New York to meet with the league people. And so I was a little concerned, you know, when I was going in there, I was like, you know, is this going to be all she wrote? Like, I, you know, and I didn't have the job. So I was like, I was nervous. And the managing partner came in, Rick Bernthal, never forget this. And he said, uh, hey, you know, um, you know, your hours are down. What's what's going on? And I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to get this job as the, you know, the general manager for Real Salt Lake. And um, he's like, you mean like general counsel and like you know, you're helping with the league? And I was like, no, no, general manager. And he's like, he's a sports fan. So he's like, you mean like pick the players, general manager? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And he's like, in the soccer league? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, in Salt Lake City? <laughs> So there's, there's, there's some of that, but then he, he reflected and he's like, look, I'll make you a deal. I think this is a really cool opportunity for the firm and I would like to help negotiate your contract. And, and in exchange, I'd ask you to come back and speak to the associates and, and, uh, you know, maybe we use you on some recruiting literature, you know, going forward. And so uh, I tell the story to illustrate this idea of it's not just that it was a collaborative culture, but that it was not a top down culture. You know, I could mm-hmm. speak to the managing partner and he could see some unusual situation and think that I was adding value, not detracting uh, from the from the enterprise. Um, and so culturally, that's something that I want to bring here to Atlanta United to make everybody feel heard, to feel valued, to be part of this. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that came up in the interview when they were interviewing me for the job was, um, I think, this belief that internally, everyone kind of had to do everything for the first five years because it was a startup, right? I mean, it was, it was no one had ever run a soccer team in Atlanta before, right? And, and you had all this incredible sports expertise, entertainment expertise, facilities expertise, but nobody had, done this, nobody had run a soccer team, right? And so everybody kind of had to kind of figure it out on the fly. And so I think there's, there's, there's some 
advantage that we can create again with my corporate background to say, hey, we're going to put a little bit more structure around here, but we're going to do the structure in a collaborative way. Um, and hopefully from a culture standpoint, then everyone is going to be included in the success of the franchise. And, and that's a that's a good way to, to, to move forward. And we, we talk about that stuff, I think, about locker rooms. But, you know, one of my kind of core beliefs is business isn't different than sports. Sports, you get a report card every week and people write about it in the paper and, the, and that's different. But the culture piece, the thing that underpins the long-term success, if you have good process and you have good people and you do things the same way and it's predictable and you're transparent um, and you're willing to give people feedback, then I think all those things roll into having a good culture. And um, that's certainly what we're going to try to do here. Do you have any specific examples of that yet? Um, here at Atlanta United? Um, I'll say this. like So we, um, we've had a couple meetings now with... Uh, yeah, I'll give, tell you two stories. One is, obviously, again, you know my background. I'm pretty heavy into analytics, right? And, and in, in Seattle, we had some of the, the best stuff in MLS and some cutting-edge stuff. And, um, you know, on paper, there was one analyst here in Atlanta. So I, I kind of said, well, man, I can make that better, right? And and I started to get some inkling, actually, in the interview because uh, Rich McKay was in the interview from the Falcons and stuff. And it was very clear that the Falcons, in fact, had a robust analytics operation, right? And the, one of the, the really cool things so far has been uh, Carl Pierberg, who runs all the analytics for uh, Arthur Blank Sports Entertainment. He's been super helpful in trying to stand up a, a more robust analytics arm for Atlanta United. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Doug, but uh, Arjun, our head analyst, sits with Jonathan Spector, our head mm -hmm. talent about it, the sharing office. Mm -hmm. Culturally, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, so now it's not, you know, some kind of rivalry or we're going to value scouting or we're going to value data, but like we're already using it together. So a long, long way to say, I've been pleasantly surprised about the use of data already that, that predated me. Um, Cause I think we have a really, really strong foundation. Um, and then we, on top of that, we're, we're looking at hiring a position, a uh, data engineer position to, to add to, you know, that person that can do some coding, which will then free up Arjun to do more strategic stuff. And then I brought in, and uh, I'll tell you this, this is not public, but we're working uh, on an agreement with Source Football, uh, and that's the consulting uh, company of Ravi Ramanini. Ravi, you probably don't know here, but he was my analyst for eight years in, at the Sounders. Okay. So he left, he ran, a, he's, he's got a startup analytics company called Source Football, um, and we've contracted, we're in the process of doing a contract with them. Uh, and so he's going to be able to come in and help us with our analytics here and, and to mentor Arjun and hopefully help Arjun become the next Ravi. Um, so we're really, really excited about that. And, and, you know, that's one example. Will those be analytics for scouting or analytics for self-scouting? Both, okay. all the above, all the above. I think, there, I think there's there, there's three buckets. I think there is the player recruitment, which is probably the focus in the first phase, just because of the the deadlines and the now as as we talked about, we're we're now in the reset part of we're starting to acquire players now, and now that we've got a reset, then you have the you know again Gonzalo knows Robbie very well from Seattle as well, so so it's it's a really good fit I think because culturally. You don't, again, you don't have any resistance from the coaching staff. You have a young coach who's used to data um, and, and knows Robbie. So um, help, he'll help with scouting opposition. Uh, he'll help with uh, self-scouting. Robbie's wife, Sarah, is part of the team as well. And Sarah's background is uh, she stood up the original analytics for Arsenal um, and did a bunch of stuff with the academy. So we think that this can have a positive uh, impact in terms of how we set up our player development. Um, and uh, then you have kind of a last piece, which is, 
you know, Robbie and Sarah are literally pioneers in their fields. Um, and to have Arjun uh, as a young uh, uh, analyst, to have them as mentors, I think is going to be uh, enormously powerful for his his growth and development as well. So um, overall, I, I just think we're going to be very robust from an analytics scouting um, and, and linked again up to these AMPSE resources with the Falcons. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's just tremendous potential in that space in terms of uh, how we sign players going forward in particular, but also how we develop players and um, how we assess ourselves and, and uh, other teams. The collaborative atmosphere you talk about internally, what plans, if any, are there for supporters to be able to tell you what they're looking for, what they want? I've had I've had one meeting with supporters so far in person, um, and that's certainly something that we'll continue on a regular basis. Um, again, I think I'm going to be different than Darren. I don't know that I'm going to be in the parking lot for every game or anything like that. And and again, it, it's not it, it's not even that much of a stylistic difference, but just in startup mode, that's the kind of thing that you do. And when you're trying to establish corporate structures and and to try to uh, be process oriented, mm-hmm. um, you know, you may have there may be less of a uh, it might be more important to have more organized sit downs with supporters right. as opposed to off the cuff, uh, uh, doing shots in the parking lot. Um, as fun as that is to do. So, um, look, obviously I'm coming from a club in Seattle where literally my job was voted on every four years. And, um, you know, look, there were two votes. I got 87% one, 90% another. So I like to think I have some background in terms of uh, listening to the supporters right. and, and having a positive relationship with them. And certainly uh, I had a really good first meeting and we had, I think, five or six of the of the different supporters groups together and, and had a meeting over at the, at the Blank family office. And I really enjoyed that and got to get to know them a little bit and looking forward to more of that and, and uh, continuing to make that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a unique part of, um, you know, soccer culture and certainly of Atlanta United culture as well. And it's, it's having a robust sports group is really important to us. At your introductory press conference, you asked a lot about salaries and, and things like that. I know you oversee both sides of the business, but your background is, you know, acquiring players, paying, paying the players, figuring out contracts, et cetera. You said you needed to look at the salaries on the books for Atlanta United before you wanted to talk about that. Yep. You now had a chance to look at the salaries <laughs> on the books. <laughs> so how would you describe Atlanta's Atlanta United's cap situation before you arrived and, and how would you describe it now? Um I think that we're in a little bit of a reset moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not surprisingly, new new guy comes in and you're not going to view every contract the same way that the previous regime did, right? No, that's that's impossible. Greg Weibel doesn't view every contract the same as I did in Seattle either. Um, uh, so, look, we're gonna. I think we're gonna change our priorities or evolve our priorities a little bit. But again, we're gonna do that in conjunction with what Gonzalo wants to do, how he wants to play, how the team set up. I mean. The, the, the salary cap system, you know, we've, we've talked about it in the context of building methodically toward what we want. But uh, equally, I think it's really important to not just, uh, it's a Jenga puzzle, right? So you can't just start yanking out uh, Jenga pieces and not expect the tower to collapse. So, um, it, you know, it's it's something we'll look at systemically. Um, yeah, it literally, I, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to answer on your question. Are there contracts I like more than others? Yeah, uh, not surprisingly, there are. And, uh, you know, look, it, it's it's part of the reset, though. And, and we've had to subtract a little bit and, and address some of the ones that maybe were less efficient. Um, and now to build with what we have here and, and hopefully add to that. Um, and then again, I think we'll evolve that 
you know, as we head into the next year. But but uh, the contracts are the contracts, right? I mean, when I when I came aboard, there were no of the guys here. The guys that were here were here, you know, and, and those decisions were made. And you know, you just again, you got to build off of that and 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 do with it what you can. Where do you see this club at the end of the season, three seasons from now, and five seasons from now? All right. Um, well, I said I've met in Blazers already. That we, <laughs> we got to have a home playoff game this yeah, year, right? Yeah. So that's that's the goal. And and look from from you know the the disappointment of last season, and uh, you know haven't won a playoff game in three seasons, and and uh, you know you got to work toward that. But you also have to set goals in order to you know to push the group. And I think that's if you look at the talent in the team, that's something we're eminently capable of achieving. Um, so I think that's the goal, home playoff game for this year. Um, and I think in three years, hopefully, again, if you look at, uh, you know, the way it's worked for me in Salt Lake, the way it's worked for me in Seattle, I think we could be a championship contender within by year three. You know, hopefully we're playing in finals and um, doing things like that and, and uh, restoring that Phoenix, uh, so to speak, you know, that, that was here in, in 17, 18, and, and, uh, and even in 19, uh, by and large. Um, you know, and, and that success wasn't that long ago, right? So I think we can build back up to it, um, hopefully with a little bit more robust foundation so it's it's more sustainable. And then, again, if you look at, uh, you know, that's that's the way I've done it two other places. And hopefully then five years, you're, you're the answer is you're continuing that. You know, you, you, you haven't just risen and crashed. You've, you've built to a way where within three years you're competing for a title. And then in five years, you know, you're, you're, you know, maybe you're getting closer to aging out with that group, but you know, they're, they're taking title shots. And, and that's the point is create a championship window where you got multiple title shots um, and put more stars in the Jersey. And that's, that's certainly why I'm here. Which will be more impactful to Atlanta United, the Apple TV deal or getting to host world cup games in 2026? That's a really good question. I hope both. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, when you talk about the innovation that is that Apple TV deal that people can see us all over the world, um, you know, I think it's an amazing opportunity for the league, you know, and, and to be a, a trendsetter here is one of the first leagues to go this direction. Um, and you look at the demographics of MLS, it's young, it's hip, it's tech focused, it's diverse, very much Apple's audience. So I think there's a really good fit there. Um, and, and look, things like I think people are going to watch us play and we're going to get calls and say, I want to play for Atlanta United. Like, look at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Look at that crowd. It's the biggest in America. America's still a pretty cool place to live, uh, despite what we do ourselves uh, lately. Um, and, uh, you know, you're gonna. I think it's going to be a real boon to Atlanta United, um, and I think the MLS as well. Um, but you talk about a World Cup, and that's a generational opportunity. You know, when you, you look at, again, at the league as a whole, the run-up in the next four years, I mean, you know, when you're, talk about, you know, why do I come here? Um, uh, you know, I know you didn't ask that, but I like to make everything about me with my, <laughs> you know, but, but no, like, I, you know, it, it was when we moved, like Seattle was a host city and I have three boys and I wanted to go a place that was going to be a host city because mm -hmm. I didn't, I wanted my kids to have that experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think it's such an opportunity in, in Atlanta and in Atlanta specifically because of the legacy of the Olympics. Um, you know, again, in the interview, I, I asked some of the guys who were here, you know, uh, with, with AMBSC and they said, you know, the, the Olympics transformed Atlanta. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the World Cup could transform Atlanta United and MLS. I think there's that's the it's a generational opportunity and you're going to see a massive uh, uptick in investment, I think, and of, of which Apple is one piece, um, you know, and if you get the Apple thing right. I think you can have a genuinely historic World Cup, and, and uh, you, know, you can probably hear just listening to me right now. It, it's you know I, I I get pretty jazzed up about that. 
that that's that's really cool and it's um, it's a really really exciting part time to work for Atlanta United and to be part of MLS. I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with uh, Garth Lagerway and I want to thank Kim and the team's communications department for setting that up. It was set up long before the Joseph Martinez news. So the timing of this kind of worked, I guess, decently in that regard. We'll have another show probably next week. Hopefully we'll have some new signings coming in for Atlanta United. Please make sure that you're rating, reviewing, following, and sharing the show. Please make sure you're following me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Douglas David Robertson. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Thanks for listening to Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.